Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. In today's episode, I interview Leonie Rouge, CEO and founder of Zaya Care. Zaya Care, Z-A-Y-A, is a network of licensed nurse midwives, doulas, and lactation consultants with a mission to help moms have a more pleasant motherhood experience. It's inspired by how Europeans actually treat moms right before birth, during birth, and after birth. The founder, Leoni of Zaya Care, was actually in Switzerland when we did this interview. So cool. She said she could see the Alps while we were recording. This is an on-demand care via text platform. So a woman can be able to shoot out a text and get answers to her questions immediately. What's happening now is that her company is really exploding due to COVID and women not being able to go or not wanting to go to the hospital. And so women that are pregnant or just had a baby can really utilize their platform and get the healthcare that they need. You can check out more about Zaya Care at joinzaya, again, that's Z-A-Y-A dot com. Leone, Hi. Hi, <laughs> you're in Switzerland right now. Yeah, so uh, I decided to to uh, pass the quarantine in my my home country in Switzerland. Wow! And where is your company normally based? We're in New York City, based out of New York City. Well, I think that you made the right choice getting out of uh, the epicenter there and going to Switzerland. I've been to Switzerland once or twice when I lived in Europe, and it is absolutely beautiful beautiful country it's kind of a a weird mix like my head is always in New York City but then if I look outside of the window I I see the Alps so it's like (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well you traded the mountains for other buildings right when you went to New York when did you go well actually let's just get into your background I'm sure you'll let us know when you got to New York City so uh, Leonie, tell us about yourself and uh, the journey of how you got to start Zaya. Sure. So I'm originally from Germany. I'm, ha- I'm half German, half Swiss, actually, and spent all my professional career in technical product management. So I've led product teams and startups in Spain, the UK, and then finally in Switzerland. And um, that's really what I what I want to do and what I like to do. Um, building products that users love and kind of iterating on, on that on that journey. Um, but I also stem from a family of healthcare professionals. Mm. So uh, my sister is an OBGYN, and I guess that strongly contributed to my passion for for women's health. So it's been frequent dinner topics, etc. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited to actually be able to combine these two passions. So my passion mm. for product and women's health mm-hmm. into one. And maybe a bit more about how it came about. So um, I was living in Switzerland. My partner lives in New York City. Um, I was having a lot of conversations with uh, friends who 
recently became a mom or are currently pregnant, uh, living in the U.S. And it just struck me that there are a lot of differences in the healthcare system mm-hmm. and how the care is provided. And um, when I dig deeper, that's when I really got interested and saw an opportunity for, for bringing change and improving the system. Great. In, in the U.S. system? Yes, correct. Yeah. Do you think, so are you actually with Zaya bringing some of your Switzerland healthcare norms into the U.S. healthcare system? Some, yes. So um, I'm talking with a lot of providers um, here in, in Switzerland and Germany to pick kind of the the best parts, mm-hmm. but a lot of it has to be culturally adapt to to the US. So it's not that we can just like bring it over. But there are certain best practices, not only in my home country, actually, everywhere around the world, which I think we can kind of pick and try to combine in Zaya. Mm, I love that an international approach to to motherhood. Well, (laughs) our listeners may be a little uh, confused what we're exactly talking about. So let's dive into Zaya. What is Zaya? What do you guys do? Sure. So Zaya is a women's clinic that provides in-home care designed for women. And that's not just virtually, but actually in person. So we operate through a network of highly vetted women's health practitioners distributed all over the city at this point as we're starting in New York. Um, And if you're a Zaya member uh, and you want a consultation, you can schedule a same-day appointment via the app. And then a Zaya care provider nearby whose skill matches your needs get dispatched to your house door. And then that's the in-person part. And then, and I can talk more about that later, like how we provide that care and, and the actual visit. Another important part is the many questions in between. So a lot of women told us, you know, every time I go to my doctor, I have this huge list of questions I prepared, which accumulated over time. And I actually wanted real-time responses, but here I go trying to get all these questions out in these 10 minutes, right? So yeah. to solve that part, we um, we actually launched a chat service. So it's a 24-7 chat service for all these in-between urgent questions. Mm-hmm. And um, so women just reach out via text and then get real-time answers by this, by our team. By a real human? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. real human. I think <laughs> it's also an important part, right? Because... Um, I think these bot solutions out there, they're really interesting, but in the end, they're a way of making the the encyclopedia of knowledge a bit more like better guided, better linked, like not mm-hmm. so much nested. But there is a need for human approach. And I mean, I guess we'll talk later also a bit on COVID-19. That's where it becomes really relevant. Like a lot of this is like anxiety rooted and you want to have the compassion and the understanding of real person on the other side. Yeah, we are definitely going to get into the COVID because I noticed on your website, you had so many resources and blogs and webinars about being an expecting mother during this time in a pandemic, which is like, I'm not sure chatbots would even know the answers to the questions (laughs) because there's no data for them to even refer to. We're definitely going to talk about that. So does Zaya specialize in like pre-birth support and post-birth support for mothers and babies? Uh-huh. So we we started with uh, prenatal and postpartum um, support, mm-hmm. but we see the biggest need and demand in the postpartum part. I think that's mm. mainly because there is the biggest gap in today's routine care. So I don't, I don't know for, for maybe the listeners who are not so familiar with the maternal care system in the U.S., there's usually one visit um postpartum that's four to six weeks after birth and that's and actually everybody agrees on that that's too little and that's too late wow so there are a lot of patients happening in the meantime 
in, in other parts of the world, are there more appointments that happen after the birth? And it's just the U.S. that only has one? Yeah, so I guess that's where actually the most uh, most apparent difference between the countries, um, that was the most apparent difference I saw between the countries. Because to give you the example here in Switzerland, a woman gets up to 10 in-home visits after birth. In-home? Where <laughs> in-home. In so I didn't reinvent the wheel. It's a, it's a <laughs> been proven very effective uh, in other parts of the world and so certified nurse midwives come to your home to provide all that necessary aftercare um, and actually now we're already dwelling a bit into our solution design it's not only a convenience factor as in like that the woman gets you know the care that she doesn't have to move right after giving birth or having a newborn but there are two other important parts. One is that it includes the family. So mm. there's usually a partner to a, to a woman. And that way, you know, that person also learns how to handle the newborn, how to um, also um, kind of uh, help help the, the new mother. Yeah. Um, and the, um, last but not least important part is actually that the providers um, can provide more effective care because it's proven that the lifestyle of a patient actually influences over 80% of the of the actual health outcome of a person. So by seeing the lifestyle of the patient, by seeing the family context they live in, they can provide much more effective care. Leonie, I love this. Just yesterday, I actually listened to a J-Labs webinar called The Labor of Love, and it was about women's health care. And they were talking yeah. about how telehealth they are so excited that COVID is influencing and pushing telehealth to the forefront because they said if you can have appointments with women in their home, like you're talking in person, they were talking virtually, but nevertheless in their home, they said you can ask the woman to show what's in her fridge or you can ask the woman to bring her partner on the camera or show her show around or show, you know, what is the formula you're using for the baby or whatever, like they said that you actually right. collect so much more data and the physician on the call is able to provide so much more clear, you know, articulate responses based on that yeah. data. Oh, man, what a common theme. That's awesome. And so it's almost like maternity care meets Uber, right? Because it's like this network, you know, yeah. um, on demand guess- kind of thing. Right. You're right. And it's something I hear a lot of times when I tell about it. They're like, oh, it's just like as convenient as Uber. And I agree on the convenience part, but I, I want to emphasize that our <laughs> care is much more on the quality. So since it's a health area, we can't really, you know, take anyone. So yeah. we have like really quick credentialing processes and all of that. So that's that's a bit the I would like to limit the- Do you love babies? <laughs> Sign up for Zaya. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so, but yeah, the convenience factor definitely um, is something which should be as simple as ordering a Uber. Um, so how long have you been working on Zaya? So, I mean, the idea probably since um, like it started already last year, but then really the launch in the U.S. Uh, was early this year. So 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we saw the opportunity and actually the need for the change Um Particularly when we looked at the at the costs, so the women's healthcare costs are ever increasing, like they're among mm. the highest among all industry nations. And I'm not only talking about maternal care; I think that's important to to notice. I'm actually talking about women's health costs. And at the same time, uh, the U.S. scores last uh, across all industrialized nations in the women's healthcare outcomes. Yes. So 
question is, why does the world's most expensive healthcare system actually result in the worst outcomes? Wow. And um, the the answer we, we found is that actually the care is, there's too little effectivity, like it's not effective enough, and there's too little time um, spent with it. So um, I don't know if, if I should, sh- do you want me to already dive into like describing the, the problem better? Yeah, let's do it. Tell me. All right. So regarding ineffective care, there are two things. One is the over-medicalization. So the, there's a lot of interventions in healthcare without a clear medical need, and they can actually do more harm than good. Mm. So to give a very simple example without going into high, high surgery examples or something, is that there's a staggering 85% of all lab tests that are considered unnecessary, and they lead to overdiagnosis. So that leads to interventions, which then lead to more complications, et cetera. And actually the, the patients, there, there are studies which prove that the patients want less medicalized care, particularly women. So that's the one part where it's just like not an effective care. And when you um, say medicalized yeah. care, you mean like getting prescribed drugs or having a surgery? Exactly. Yeah. Like having, having surgery, getting hospitalized for things where it's not really necessary mm-hmm. um, and and then having to live with the complications afterwards, like yep. not being informed about the risks. There are always mm. benefits and risks to any intervention, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the one part. The C-section rate would be another example. Um, but yeah. So and then the other one is the one size fits all. So that's what I mentioned earlier. Um, currently, it's kind of whatever woman comes into that doctor's office kind of gets the same checkup and, and treatment. There's little variation and we want to take the lifestyle into account as it's proven to have such a big influence on the health of a patient. So we really take the time to understand the women's environment and family context and, and thereby provide the effective care. Um, the third part I want to dwell on to is the time. So a woman today has to wait three to four weeks for an out of routine OBGYN visit. Yeah. And then to be then see, be seen for like 10 minutes uh, until until the next one comes in, basically. Yeah. So it's a bit of a conveyor belt feeling, and we get this confirmed by a lot of women we talk to. So we just say, like, 10 minutes might be good time for checking if something is absolutely wrong, but it's definitely not enough time for preventative care yeah. and um, for for also the emotional care. So postpartum depression might be might be a term for you, right? So it's like um, we, we really want to take that time so to to provide timely and effective care yeah and if the you know maybe 10 minutes is good enough to say okay yeah you have an infection you need this antibiotic but if you had to wait four weeks to have the appointment to find that out I mean geez like you may I mean it may be way worse or gone by that point exactly so I think there's a lot of opportunity there to to improve in Switzerland, how long do women have to wait to get an OB-GYN appointment? Um, there are a lot of walk-in practices here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go in for the for the for the urgent ones. Wow. Um, however, thinking like it might also come across as if I'm like accusing the OBGYNs of not taking enough time, but it's really a more on a system level that the incentives of the healthcare system are misaligned, and uh, a lot of providers we talk to and and. Actually, why they want to join Zaya is because they say, oh, great, I can get, get to spend more time with my patients. It's yeah. actually what I want. We talk so, about this all the time on the podcast. We have a lot of people saying, 
um, you know, OBGYNs don't take enough time, but it's not their fault. It's a systems problem, you know? So yeah, yeah exactly. we hear that a lot. Exactly. And so you launched earlier this year, are these, um, individuals that are going out and meeting with women in their home setting, are they OBGYNs or are they midwives or doulas? Um, we leverage a lot on the, um, non-physician clinicians. So we have um, certified nurse midwives and doulas on our team. And for now, most of it has been um, provided by by them. But then also we launched in a very particular time, right? So <laughs> yeah. ourselves who like we don't recommend right now home visits mm-hmm. for a postpartum, not put the mother or infant at risk. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a particular, so right now we're really strong at the chat um, and that's where we were really at the front line also during the COVID-19. Yeah. And then once, once this is like back to a, to a stable level, you know, and the risk, the infection risk is, is, is reasonable. That's when we're going to then really go out uh, into the homes. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the COVID-19 response. I was really impressed on your website that it had a lot of blogs around, you know, are you expecting mother in a time of COVID, you know, like here's, some common questions and answers and you had a webinar coming up. And so I am just really impressed by your, you know, in the moment um, addressing this urgent need for moms. So let's dive into that. What, what are the experience of expecting moms right now in social distancing and what are the main questions you're getting? Mm -hmm. So it went through phases. Um, We started very early with these webinars. So our first one was in like, mid-March, I mean, COVID-19 specific webinars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was insane. I mean, we had just started out and we we're kind of a nobody in the field and we got like over a thousand signups for this webinar. Wow. So I thought I was a marketing genius, but later I found out it was just... <laughs> <laughs> well, you <laughs> might be, you still might be. <laughs> um, so in the first phase, and I would say that's like March, beginning of April, it was a lot about education. So that was just when it was building up and most of our users were in New York City, so which, which was particularly hit, right, by the crisis. So mm-hmm. um, it was a lot about education. Many women reached out to us, like experiencing anxiety and wanting to learn more. So those those were the type of questions we got over the chat. And then April, that's when it kind of went wild because that's when the birth partner restrictions hit. And then we had all kind of women like asking about alternative birth settings, what to expect in a hospital. So there was this thing about separate rooms and like, you know, what, how, how should they even do it? How to handle birth alone, how to protect their newborns. So tell us, I think when we, sorry, tell us more (laughs) about that. What role was this a part limited partner restriction? Tell us about that. What happened? Yeah, so um, in in New York, they actually, or actually in the they limited um, the birth partners who could come with you to the hospital during during mm. birth. And there was a time when it was entirely forbidden for any birth partner to come with you. Oh, my gosh. And um, to give you the context, so many women give, I mean, Many women have, most women have their birth partner with them, but mm-hmm. then also many women have a doula with them or have their mom with them or any other person, which kind of gives them the comfort and strength yeah. throughout labor. And, and um, so, yeah, that was forbidden. And then a lot of women just ended up giving birth entirely alone. So we shared a few stories oh, around no. that as well. Um, but what was also interesting is that you could see how important it is 
to be to be supported through our labor and support. So a lot of women were even reconsidering their birth setting choices um, and, and got a lot of information from, from our team, like what to consider, if that's something for them or not, and, and like all of that. So I think that was the most, I would say, most stressful time for moms. Yeah. Um, what were some of the stories it, that you heard about moms that had a birth alone? What were some of the stories? Well, there would, uh, so one actually... <laughs> you, you can read them on our on our site so uh one was about yeah just the like mentally preparing and she, i mean she, i was super impressed by her by her strength to be honest so mm-hmm. she kind of said okay that's that's how it is like i'll now do it alone and fortunately she had a really like um complication free birth mm-hmm. so it went rather quick and then she could soon be um like leave the hospital and return to her family mm-hmm. um in the other case actually the born it was a preterm birth and uh, the baby ended up on the NICU so then uh actually she didn't see her her partner but also her other two kids uh I think for almost three weeks oh my um, god isolated and um I think it was great. Like we could really give her a lot of support during that time just because yeah. we were always available. But yeah, those were definitely tough times. Well, and then fortunately, um, so the governor of um, of New York then uh, changed that rule and allowed a birth partner so that when things calmed a bit down again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, by today, COVID-related inquiries have started to slow down. So we still get a lot of questions, but more around like how to protect your newborn. Mm-hmm. And it's now the everyday questions and concerns that take back the lead. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are the, should moms have any concerns about having a newborn during COVID? I mean, I know as a scientist myself, I've been tracking the biology of COVID and who it's affecting. And it seems like kids are in the clear because the protein that COVID uses to infect cells is mostly found in people that are older rather than younger. And, and so do, did, yeah. did moms need to be nervous about their newborn and COVID or? So there are, the thing is there are certain uh, measure, measures they can take to protect. And that's what we're mainly informed mm. about. So um, may this be, for example, reducing the transport uh, that the newborn has to has to do uh, in the hospital when doing the certain uh, tests. Mm-hmm. So you could do that at the bedside or how to breastfeed, um, whether to breastfeed and how to breastfeed. And that was a difficult time because all and, and still is because the institutions. So um, the institutions give very conflicting recommendations. Yeah. Um, so it's basically that most people don't know. But we're actually hosting a webinar on that um, in a few weeks. Uh, particularly around that topic to just stay up to date. So um, where we give information on that. Wow. Amazing. What do you see the future of Zaya being? Um, so we're starting now with, um, yeah, with this chat and like having these, these home visits. What I would love to do is partner with hospitals, actually, because they are looking to improve their offering for um, for women specifically. Um, and by partnering with us, they basically have an extended arm of very highly qualified staff, which can provide this after after care after they've been dismissed from the hospital. And we're kind of riding a trend there because the hospital hospital at home care is kind of the, the term for that. Mm-hmm. Um, is seeing a big uptake uh, now because they realize this is opposite to a lot of assumption actually. Uh, 
a way to provide better care at lower costs. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's just, um, you know, it provides access for, you know, moms that are, you know, taking the bus to the hospital, right? Or it, it allows you to, it helps the mom and it helps the doctor be a better physician when they can see the whole context of her, you know, her life. Exactly. And I mean, I think for the individual, then there's a lot of side benefits as well. I mean, a lot of, yeah, in case, so we're looking really to tackle entire women's health at some point. We're now starting with postpartum health and really mm-hmm. going into that, that niche where there's, where there's a big need. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of mothers there. So every time they basically go to the hospital or they go to a doctor, that's when they have to arrange for daycare if they mm. don't have that set up already. Or if they have a newborn, they have to take the newborn with them. And um, also just being away from the family during during such a hospital stay, I think it's in everybody's interest to have to have the patient like returned as soon as possible. Definitely. Can moms use insurance for these um, people to come? Yeah. So currently, currently we don't. We're not covered by by insurance, so it's out of pocket. Although we're actually in talks with insurances already, and the signs we get are rather positive because, and I guess that's why my origin from Switzerland, Germany, uh, comes in handy. Is I can prove that actually in other systems <laughs> this prevents complications, and from a from an insurance perspective, this this prevents costs, right? Yes. Um. So. Um, that's the case we're making. And, uh, let's see, I mean, insurances are known to be not the quickest, uh, decision makers, but we're on it. Yeah. But if you, you know, I, it's unfortunate that the thing that influences insurance uh, companies isn't necessarily, it's the right thing to do, but if you can prove to them that in the long term they'll save money, you know, by covering this thing up front, you know, that's what they listen to. Yeah. Right. And they do like, I mean, their incentives are actually quite aligned. So um, I really like the way the, the current discussions are going. Great. What else can you tell us about the differences between, you know, Switzerland, motherhood and uh, the U.S.? I think that's so interesting. Um, I guess one one really uh, big difference is the role of the care providers um, that are involved in your maternal care. Um, in Switzerland, Germany, it's very much a collaborative model. So there is the midwife is actually your primary contact. Um, and then whenever there's a need for, for, uh, for a physician, when there's a, a complication, for example, or anything like that, that's when the OBGYN gets involved. And uh, it's a very... It's a very good dynamic. And actually, the women benefits from an extended knowledge pool, uh, which doesn't only cover the clinician perspective, but then also the midwife perspective. Um, I think that's a big difference in the US um, where it's primarily physician-led. So to put some numbers behind it, uh, in in uh, Switzerland, over 90% of the birth are midwifery-led. In the US, over 90% of the birth are physician-led. Mm. So that's one big difference. Um, and... It's just interesting how it evolved over time. So in the US now, the doula came up as a as a role, which and which really fills that kind of gap on emotional care and and like the entire support here in Switzerland and and Germany. There there is not such there is no doulas really. I mean there are a few now <laughs> coming up, but uh-huh. it's, it's kind of a, an additional luxury. But usually the midwife is where that where she steps in. So I think it's, 
I wouldn't say like better or I wouldn't judge it like mm-hmm. whether it's better or not, but it's, it's just a different way of providing care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that webinar I was talking about yesterday with J labs, they were talking about like a team effort for women. So it shouldn't just be an OB gin. The woman should have her OB gin, a nutritionist, a mental health professional, um, the midwife, she should have all of these people all around her giving her the advice that they specialize in because 10 minute appointments with OBGYNs cannot cover all the things that a woman is experiencing. Um, whether or not, I mean, she's giving birth just in general in her life too. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a benefit of having this, um, combined lens, so to say, like everybody looks at, at the women's health from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and this together actually creates a lot of value. And, And we see that our providers love it too. Like I have a lot of conversations now provider team where like, oh, I saw how you handled this. And this was such a great, uh, like, you know, they learn from each other. And I think, so that's not only a benefit from the patient perspective, but also from the provider perspective. In Switzerland, do more women have births like outside of the hospital versus inside? Cause I know the majority in the U S is in a hospital. Yeah, no, it's the same here. So yeah. most of the births are hospital um, are, are, are given in the hospital. I think the numbers of home birth, I would have to recheck are a bit higher than, than in the U S mm-hmm. and actually in the U S and in Switzerland, there is a, there's growth in, in home birth. So more yeah. and more women decided it'll be interesting to see what COVID-19, um, had mm-hmm. as an effect on that birth setting choice, because it didn't make a lot of people reconsider why we actually go to a place where all the sick people are to give, to give birth. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think it's it's not on us to change change any any mindset, but um, but rather work work together with whatever birth setting feels right for the women, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you think that there's going to be a baby boom in a few months from uh, COVID quarantine? Definitely, definitely, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Do you have any yeah, yeah. like? stories or blogs that you've been following around that it's for me it's just kind of been like a joke I don't actually have any statistics on it but what do you think yeah no I can't I can't um can't provide any statistics but just from I don't know just like an impression no I mean we're all kind of really really close uh these days It'll be interesting. I mean, let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah, October, November. There's going to be a lot of babies, I am assuming. (laughs) Well, um, you know, is there anything else about Zaya you want our listeners to know about? I think I spoke a lot. Um, I mean, I could go on, but it's kind of the curse of the founder now who doesn't stop talking about their business. I guess I'll just um, invite anybody who's who's curious about Zaya to just reach out uh, over our website. It's zayacare.com and um, pose any questions. We're always looking to learn, to get inspiration or to have providers join our team. So I guess that's the best way to, to go forward. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of listeners that are interested in the femtech industry and they just don't know what to build. So... What are some innovations in femtech that you think need innovating? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think there is a lot, although I'm almost tempted to answer that question in an unconventional way, maybe. Do it. So, <laughs> so we see it actually through our chat. We see a lot of dads wanting to be more involved in the birth mm. and raising of their children. And while this is a great trend, 
they are struggling with a system that is used to seeing the women as the primary and often sole conversation partner. Yes. So I'd love to see some innovation in this space, like directed towards dads and ultimately actually this helps women, right? So. Oh my God. I love it. I can see why you called it unconventional, but I also love it because one of the things that I talk about on this podcast um, is that sometimes people say, oh, th- my product is femtech because I help women, you know, be more effective at house chores or be a, a more effective mom or parent. And I'm always like, are we furthering the divide in social constructs, you know, about this is what women do and this is what men do, right? And so since this this technology helps this, you know, activity and women mostly do that activity, it's a femtech product. And I'm like, well, it's a femtech product when it involves breastfeeding. The man, the man is cannot do it, right? And, but I love that um, because again, and it also feeds into this whole mindset that I always talk about. If you improve women's health, you improve everyone's health, right? And so if you can empower a man to help the woman, you improve her health as well. So tell us actually a little bit more about that in terms of, do you have men like in your the chats or like are men coming into the webinar or what's happening there? So for now, it's it's mainly women who are who are reaching out to us, uh, expecting our new moms. Um, but what we do see and what I was thrilled to see is that, so we offer also classes. Uh, mm-hmm. So we do regular classes on either birth preparation topics or breastfeeding, etc. And we often see couples in these classes. Mm-hmm. And while it's still mainly the mom speaking, our providers try to really encourage also the partner to get more involved and that also the partner gets the feeling, hey, she's actually talking to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a way how we can take action. And then over time, uh, over time, I hope to see more dads on our chats. Yeah. Um, the other part in the in-home uh, care, we're providing care for, for the mother, uh, for the woman. Mm-hmm. But if it's around newborn care, then we're really providing care to the par- parents, right? We're providing yeah. care to the support to the parents. Yeah, because I have, uh, you know, some single dad friends and, you know, they have little daughters and they're like, yeah, no one talks to me about how to do her hair. Like no one talks to me (laughs) like I am so nervous for the day she gets her period because I don't know anything. My friend, my guy friends don't know anything, you know, and I'm, you know, trying to Google stuff that I don't know about. And so it's like, how do we empower yeah. men to talk to their daughters? Because then we're improving the daughter's health. You know, um, I think that men, I'm very, very bullish on this point that femtech is not female founders because everyone should care about women's health. And I think that yeah. that this dad involvement speaks to that too. Absolutely. Um, I absolutely second that. I love it. And what do you think as an industry, women's health and wellness as an industry, what do you think we need the most right now to, to move forward and, and be successful? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's still considered a niche. And I'm always thinking, like, why is it still considered a niche? I guess mm-hmm. because there are not enough or not as many founders in that space than, than in many other spaces. And um, that made me then think, OK, like, what is needed? and I feel it's actually more early stage mentors. 
So Ooh. there's a whole new generation of women keen on starting their business. I don't think it lacks any interest in starting their business, mm-hmm. but the first weeks, months, those are really the toughest, right? When you're still yes. kind of working on your story and there's so many ways how you could do that business model. And like, that's where it really needs um, outside support. And I think that's what should further, further improve. I love Bro. it. What do you, th- what do you think the solution to that would be like a early stage accelerator, but very like you have an idea, you probably still have your full-time job, you know, and it's like evening classes or something. Yeah. I think that's one very um, like specific way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is changing the mindset. So of, of the experts out there who mm-hmm. could be these very valuable mentors, right. Mm-hmm. To be, to be open towards, early stage companies and not kind of wanting to see all the medals already before, before starting a conversation with someone. I think there are a lot of people who already are this role model in doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it can can just be more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, Femtech Focus, we've approached a few larger corporations about partnering and stuff. And, you know, the first thing they said is like, well, when you have a bigger following and I'm like, okay, I will have a bigger following and I'll come back and I'm going to ask for more than I am now, but you should see how important this is, you know, even if I'm, you know, in the beginning stages of this organization, right. But they are like, come back with the medals, (laughs) come back with the awards first, you know, and it's like, all right, you're missing out on the early stage, you know? Yeah. 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 And I mean, maybe that's not even now that we're talking about, it's not even so much specific to femtech. That's maybe even like, broad for any early stage um but it's particularly important for the femtech space just because that's actually an area where um where like i said like a generation is kind of preparing for it and facing this hurdle that's right well leonie this has been an amazing conversation and i am so grateful for what you're doing for women and bringing over that european mindset of collaborative effort and, you know, in-home healthcare for women. It's so important. And I'm, I'm so grateful you launched right before COVID because uh, women needed you and they still need you. And so thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. Great. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Leonie Rouge, CEO and founder of Zayacare. If you're pregnant or just had a baby, you can experience Zaya Care by going to their website at joinzaya.com. I was really interested in her hospital from home care, you know, this new move in healthcare and how it's changing, especially during the time of COVID. And what else is COVID 19 affecting healthcare system, you know, normal processes that are actually in the benefit of women? If you are working on something that, you know, is useful now due to the pandemic, but in particular empowers women, you should let us know about that. That is so interesting and such a, you know, it's a silver lining and a really hard time for our world. And also, I loved our conversation about how do we get more men in femtech. If you're a male listener who is not in femtech yet, but you're a listener because you just think this is awesome and important, reach out. We want to meet you. We want to know about you. I do have an announcement of a conference coming up everyone should be aware of. The Women of Wearables organization is throwing a virtual Femtech Forum on June 25th. You should definitely check it out. We are happy to be a community partner of this Femtech Forum conference. Go to womenofwearables.com to get your tickets now. 
Support the Femtech Focus podcast by sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and review us. Make sure you follow us on all the social channels at Femtech Focus. And until next time, keep innovating in women's health and wellness because if you improve women's health and wellness, you improve everyone's health and wellness. Thank mm-hmm. you.